Uh, welcome to Dark Age Radio presents Dark Iron, a world, what well, world of Iron Kingdoms, world of Western Amoran, world of Amoran, world of War Machine, and what was would have been known as World of Hordes as well, but it's all War Machine now. Uh, podcast, yeah, it's World of Iron Kingdom. So I'm one of your regular hosts, Chris, and I am joined for this episode by a guest host, uh, Randy Newham. Hi, Randy, how's it going? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm 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 excited to talk about the Iron Kingdoms. It's uh, it's my favorite setting. It's something I've you know played in for 20 years, and uh, yeah, I like it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that'll be scary when we get to say it's 20 years because it has been that long. <laughs> so, or, you know, it has been that long, a bit more since uh, Witchfire Trilogy and uh, and War Machine. I think War Machine came out in 20, you know, 2003. Yeah, I think it was 2003. Yeah. Yeah. God. Anyway. Um, yeah. So um, for this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Corvus, the, uh, the the city of ghosts. Corvus is quite a good flashpoint in the war machine setting and and for iron kingdoms is an excellent kind of melting pot of uh cultures concepts and and character types so we're going to look at that and before we get into that uh well well randy you can kind of give a introduction to yourself and like how you you've got involved in iron kingdoms in general and um, I guess we could also talk about kind of some of the cool things which are coming out uh, soon for Iron Kingdoms and for War Machine. Okay, yeah. So, um, so I'm Randy, and uh, as far as a as a player of of Iron Kingdoms, um, my journey started in 2002 when I picked up a really neat monster book I saw on the shelf, the Monster Nomicon. Um, I picked it up and I, I I love the approach to it. I love the the way it was it was uh, it was narrated, like with uh, doc, with uh, Professor Pendrake, and it really inspired me to to bring bring uh, those those things into my into the campaigns I was running, and um, you know that and that only escalated when with further releases like. Uh, the character primer, which which you know, kind of like you know, wet the appetite, and uh, and then like when we got the actual the character guide and the world guide, you know that that um, that started a journey that I took um, my gaming group on, and uh, uh, that was yeah. And over the years, I've played I've played um, the different editions, you know, the the uh, the 2D6 version, which the uh, was based on the war game, which was exciting and different, and um, I'm excited to see it in fifth fifth edition. Um, yeah, fifth edition D and D I think offers a lot. It has a different feel that uh, it was taking took a little bit of time to to reconcile to, uh, uh, but overall I, I like it. I think it. I think it offers a lot, and I think it really opens it up to a wider player base. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And as far and as far as I, I as as I go, sorry about you. You wanted me to <laughs> introduce myself, so that's that's my my Iron Kingdoms, and um, um, yeah, I've been uh, I've been a gamer for over thirty years. Like when I started <laughs> with the D and D Red Box in nineteen eighty nine, and you know I've. Um, um yeah just uh played various games mostly mostly D and its offshoots but um 
but there's other stuff. And as far as like miniatures games, I've I've dabbled in War Machine a little. I could I could field like several like armies of I, I could I could field armies of most factions from mm-hmm. from the war game, despite like uh, not really being much of a player. Yeah, of, of yeah. it. So. Um, but yeah, and right now I, I live in um, Eugene, Oregon in the U.S. And um, I, um, you know, just, uh, and I do work in PR. That's what I do. <laughs> and uh, obviously you write, along with me, you write for the Iron Kingdoms RPG. Um, right. So so has that been just since the, the, the most recent edition or did you write anything before then? Um, I've, I've written fan content for a while, but it's, it's only been in the recent edition that I've been, that I've been like having stuff that goes into, uh, into official sources. So, um, I think that how I, how that happened was on, um, I believe it was on Reddit that Mm -hmm. Matt gets saw me like, like busting out some some content you know someone was saying something along the lines of let's what would a sea king look like in you know fifth edition in i in in iron kingdom's requiem i was like all right well let's 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 figure that out (laughs) here's my thoughts and uh statted it out and it was like and a couple other things like that um like um like a first draft of the satixis race and um it, I think that he he liked my approach to things, and he uh, said, "Hey, would you like some like to write something in the in the next um, set of books?" And so my first my first content showed up in the Borderlands Survival Guide, um, supporting the Borderlands and Beyond. Uh, um, yeah. Sure. So. Yeah, because that's that's yeah that's where I kind of started as well. Because you know Matt just basically saw me streaming the previous edition of Iron Kingdom, so it's like there's someone that actually gets this setting and loves it. So um, cool. And then, do you do any other writing since then for any other RPGs? For other RPGs, no. Um, I, I've well, um, I've I, a little bit of my writing appears in in um, my my wife's role playing game, Storm Hollow from. From I guess it's like ten years back now, but um, uh, other than that, no real, no real published work. So it's yeah. I mean, it's well, it's one of those. It's a double-edged sword, though, isn't it? It's like you want to write more, but then that takes time up, and it's like where do you want to yeah. put your time? Um, yeah, that's that's definitely a, a problem I have because I like writing for different settings, and then it's kind of like okay, it's then I get two contracts at once, and kind of like oh shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, and then before we get deeper into like talking about Corvus and stuff, any, what are your particular favorite bits of um, the Iron Kingdom setting? Like a particular faction, particular feature. Um, what. I guess what 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 drew me in before was like the the kind of the grittiness of the setting it that it that it was specifically lacking the high polished heroic veneer of like the of more um of more traditional settings mm-hmm. and that um that aesthetic really really appealed to me and also the fact that magic didn't solve everything and um that it put more of a uh, put more of a, a burden on like getting out there, getting out there and doing it. So that 
yeah, so the the tone and the aesthetics like really really drew me in, and uh, I think that um, it's it's uh, that Iron Kingdoms has maintained that over mm. its you know over its different releases. I mean, it's it's um, with fifth edition, it's a struggle because a, a little bit because uh, it has it has like the the basic assumption of like everything available all the time. Yeah. Like, but uh, but but still, I I like I I think that I think that that what has been put out for Iron Kingdom's Requiem has really stayed true to that flavor. Yeah, I, that's that's always my advice when looking at Iron Kingdoms. Is kind of like for for the games master, it's like yeah, I know players might go, but there's this D and D book. It's like just just forget it because it's like it, it's <laughs> gonna it's gonna cause more problems than it's maybe worth and. And if you want to play Iron Kingdoms as the Iron Kingdom setting, they're generally better ignored. Um, whereas if you're going to play your hodgepodge D&D, then sure, if you want someone to go, I'm going to play a Warcaster from Iron Kingdoms, then sure, do 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 what you want with your uh, your setting that's got everything and everything all at once. But um, yeah, it's that's always a problem with D&D. Uh, I'm, I'm very much a start start with the whole thing and then narrow it down to go that's the experience you want to deliver and like cut away as much of the fat to give yourself a good experience cool okay um right well then let's uh we're going to move into the main segment which is about the city of ghosts corvus Right, okay, so Corvus, I will do a, a very quick overview of where Corvus is, because just to give you an idea of people listening where, who haven't read all the books or kind of are still kind of new to the setting. So Corvus is essentially at the northern west, the northern east corner of, of the region of Signar, um, and it sits on... Uh, where the Black River splits into the Dragon's Tongue and um, and the which heads off to Five Fingers, and then the rest of the river heads south to Caspia. And north of it is this entire deep forest, huge forest area called the Thornwood, which is a discussion point in its own right because there's ruins of an ancient kingdom in there, which ties in with Everblight and stuff, and and the background behind. You know the Mulga tribes that we understand of Trollkin and and, and Ogryn and so forth. Um, there's also swamps and widower's woods, which kind of features as part of the more recent history of the setting. And then if you go more east, you get uh, past the swamps, you go into the Badlands, and essentially where there's little townships and so forth. And then you're into the areas which, at one point, more recently, were um, well, basically where there was a lot of scorn setting up <laughs> encampments to raid and so forth. Uh, so Corvus is a very rainy city. Um, it's on marshy ground. It's constantly sinking into its, in, its foundations are constantly sinking. It's being built upon time and time again, uh, which gives it a, a certain feel. Um, we'll talk more about the look of it because I have feelings of what it looks like, and, you, and Randy, you might have your own opinions of how it how it looks. Uh, to the northwest is Fort Riker, which again features into the more recent history. So there's kind of like this old 
dilapidated fortress. There's also Orvin's Lost Mine, which is somewhere to the northeast. And, uh, and then, obviously, if you continue further north past Thorwoods, you get to Cador. Uh, if you go northeast, you're heading up towards up the river. You basically head up to, to Lale and beyond that to Rule. Uh, and then if you go west down the river, you're going to basically be on the border between Signar and Ord. And eventually down that river, you get to Five Fingers, which is another huge topic for another day, because Five Fingers is amazing and another great flashpoint kind of place. And then, of course, to the south, you've got um, the rest of Signar. And there's some mountainous areas nearby. Uh, and and essentially, yeah, you've got Sig uh, you've got Corvus, which is well fortified. That's split into three large segments with lots of bridges with with a few bridges between them, and it's this uh, a perfect kind of storm of everyone going to because it sits between all of these kingdoms and all of these types of um, uh, regions where you can get lots of different kind of resources. So it is a very interesting city. Um, yeah, that's that's what I like yeah. about Corvus. It's is that it's on the edge of everything. Yeah. So like if um, any sort of like 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 region or anything, it gives you it gives you such a large um, um, selection of of things to go for, and it if you if you are um, if you don't have a, your campaign planned out, if 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 the idea is to kind of follow the players and see what they want to do, it's a it's a really a perfect starting point for that because it's it's um, it's close to it all. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when I envision it, my kind of view of it is I think of elements of Venice with the whole baroqueness and some of the classic artwork in uh, Witch Fire trilogy. The, the bridges look incredibly baroque, and the bridges, the bridges themselves are like built upon with, you know, there are buildings on these bridges. They're so huge and wide to span these rivers. And yeah. then I add on top of that, um, I think of kind of like Edinburgh with kind of like the gothicness and the height because you get these very narrow alleyways in Edinburgh, and yet they would have. All, almost like 20 stories tall, so you would get stone foundations and buildings that go up for about, you know, five stories, and then the rest is just these horrifically, you know, prepare, uh, you know, they're just precariously built wooden, you know, buildings on top of that, which is, or, and then there's all this weight that is constantly sinking down. So <laughs> that, and then it's lashed with rain or mist, or I'm sure in the height of its summer, it's also this, like, you know, really, really awful. It'd be an awful place to live during the summer. It would stink to high heaven. There'd be yeah. uh, mosquitoes and, and yeah, just not great. And then you've got to combine on top of all of that, all the industry, which is going to combine with the weather to make for kind of the very Victorian London kind of, smog and that's yeah. how i kind of those are all kind of the things that i think of i don't know what you, what other kind of reference points you'd throw in yeah um so i so i certainly see all that i mean definitely the smog definitely like the 
the odd layering of of buildings and um i wasn't i wasn't aware of edinburgh um and like but uh but yeah i definitely i definitely see that as as being a thing as things just sink down that um the it's it necessitates necessitates building up um also i live in the pacific northwest so we kind of have that um that type of weather Mm -hmm. and so that's that's kind of easy to to kind of feel out uh here in eugene oregon um it's it's a very similar to to seattle um i think that people are gonna have a better idea of that where there's a lot of rain it it gets it's damp all the time it um we do have a winter but it doesn't get terribly cold in the winter um but and it just like stays wet all the time Mm -hmm. and uh summer summers here um they do they do get hot and humid and um we certainly (laughs) we certainly have a lot of mosquitoes but but yeah the yeah we have the yeah certainly i i I, the, the mix of architecture is certainly going to be a thing i like the I really like the what we saw in the Witchfire trilogy as far as like the all the 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 carved marble and considering that you know we have you know that and the stonework and that that go back to the Orgoth here yeah who who um, founded the city and then um, what people like just working class people are building on top of that and also what they're what they're able to salvage of the past underneath so yeah and that's that's a that's a good point as you bring up is like so you know corvus was founded by the Orgoth, which is an important uh point to, to know so that's we don't have a that's not been i don't think that's been definitively said where in the timeline of the Orgoth uh occupation but it's basically somewhere between 600 um before rebellion to 200 years before the rebellion so it's somewhere in that time frame and that also ties in the fact that there's a part of the witchfire trilogy there's a there's a tomb which was an orgoth um kind of emplacement which got converted into a tomb to keep um alexia's uh the the, the witchfire i oh, not the witchfire coven but the the mm-hmm. coven of witches there um their bodies i mean uh, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll quickly say about the history. So, yeah, that's Corvus was around that time. And then with the defeat of the Orgoth, the kingdoms, the peoples, let's say peoples, because this is always in, interesting about Iron Kingdoms, is that while we think of the Iron Kingdoms of Ord, Lael, Cador, and Sigma, Mm-hmm. within those kingdoms are many different peoples because there's Umbrians and there's uh I can't think for the list off the top of my head there's but there's a lot of people so yeah. to me that's always a really important feature you don't just go oh they're just Signaran it's like no one's just Signaran they're Tadorans right. or they're Cadorans from a particular people who actually live in Signar and don't align themselves with the Cadoran empire and that's that's very I find is much more reflective of the real world and yeah 
rather than kind of some really trophy fantasy settings out there. Um, but yes, the, the Corvus Treaty is what laid the foundation of the modern kingdoms and I guess where the borders are. Uh, and then more recently in 593, we have the Coven of Witches executed um, and their bodies were buried in the old Orgoth fortress out in Widower's Woods, um, who obviously that entire thing along with the along with their execution at the hands of the witchfire blade starts the witchfire trilogy essentially mm -hmm. and that gives rise to uh alexia's invasion we'll say invasion uh by an army of of undead from fort riker mm -hmm. her defeat we'll say defeat at the time of that uh and then after that the subsequent invasion by Vinter Railthorn and uh and um the former kind of king lord of, of Signar and he's at the head of an army of scorn who are like this new uh race group um and who are repelled in thanks to Alexia Siano leading an army of un of undead um, against against Vinter with again using the Witchfire, and then there's a whole list of events after that which I can't remember off the top of my head. That there, there's more because obviously Signar has been at the you know, sorry Corvus has been a location for further battles nearby. What with Cador coming in and taking the Thornward and other attack, I think have there been subsequent attacks by the Scorn? I want to think there is. On uh, on Corvus, uh, not no, I I don't I don't recall any um, no. any subsequent attacks by Scorn on Corvus itself. No, it, the the main threat has always been Cador to the north, I think, and yeah. and the that battle line in the Thornwood, which is yeah terrible. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what things can we find then in Corvus? What 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 are your favorite like? What can you tell us about the city then, uh, if you want to take that, Randy? Yeah, so so I think that you know, with it being like at the edge of everything, I, I, that um, there is a lot going on with like competing nationalities of people, and um, so uh, I mean, yeah, so I mean, even like like you said, even beyond. Kate or Signar Lael, you know, we have the, we have the nationalities of, of like Midlanders, uh, Mord, um, Skirov, Umbrians, them doing their things. We also have, uh, you know, it's also a city next to swamps. So you have like a city folk versus the swampies, a type of, you know, that, you know, that they're going to regard, regard these people as, you know, a, as all backwoods and such and like um connected with with the um with the mat with the dark magic of the past you know that of the, of the kingdom of more that you know like that ties into into everblight's influence on them so there, there there's um and there's going to be like the physical uh leftovers of all of this i mean this is yeah you have i mean you have um this basically this fortified city you know that that was that was built by the orgoth you're going to have like a lot of their of, of their 
architecture and horrors and uh, and undead remnants of of that people there and and their victims. You also have um, you know the trollkin and um, their you know their groups there. Um, um, yeah, I'm. It's it, it's yeah, it's interesting you say like with the Orgoth because I think that's a good point to like start with like saying like what particular features or buildings there are or districts of the city because because we have even though there's the three kind of segments of the city we can say we've got also a few islands that sit in this confluence of, of rivers where the, and I guess the main island we can talk about is where there is the um, is the main is it the, there's the jail I think is in the uh, let me let me open up my map. I always get this wrong. Uh, Corvus map. You can Google right now. Corvus map. Uh, Iron Kingdoms. I always there we go. That's what I wanted. Yeah. So we've got sitting. Um, good if it was annotated. The annotated one. That's what I want. Oh no no. Why is it doing that to me? Uh, yeah. Let's open that up. Think that um, I have a I have a link I can send you. I've got it here now. Okay, there we go. Right. So we've got, um, yeah, so there is, uh, so we've got City Hall sits, I think it says City Hall, but yeah, sits on an island of its own, of its own right. So that's where, um, uh, you know, obviously that's, that's going to be, I'm sure while it's been modernized, there will be, within the foundations of it, where it's been built over, are going to be remnants of the Orgoth uh, buildings there. Uh, in particular, I'm sure the jail and courthouse, I can imagine, has been built upon again to make it larger as the settlement has obviously grown over time. But mm-hmm. but has, I'm sure, certain areas of, of that old Orgoth architecture are still appear. So you can imagine there's these large, gurning, demonic faces uh, <laughs> which have been weathered over the centuries. Uh, and and unlike the rest of the the, the the jail, um, I guess, are built from almost like such a large kind of um, cyclopean kind of like sizes of, of 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 rock that have been hewn into shape rather than being built in a more kind of typical sense as as people would build. Uh, and I think that's already kind of like gives you an idea that there's also going to be other buildings around that still have those kind of shadows of them. So that's in like the yeah. out connected via a number of bridges to the eastern uh, eastern segment of this of the city, and that's where basically most of the rich people live. Uh, there's a park. There's many. There's going to be these. I wouldn't say beautiful townhouses because again, it's like Venice where everything has to make use of height. So they're going to be very large, baroque, opulent um, apartment blocks essentially. Uh, I guess in that sense, you've got also an element maybe about kind of Parisian architecture, because that's also quite tall to allow people as, uh, as much density of, of people to live. Um, and then we've got other cool places. I mean, the one we have to say you've touched on is um, we've also got the Corvus University, which is going yeah. to be to the in the northern quadrant, which is the northern quadrant is a more of the industry 
um, I say quadrant, it's not quadrant, we've got three segments, but it's the northern quarter essentially of it. Um, yeah. And Corvus University, again, I can imagine is, is built upon a large kind of Orgoth structure, but has been supplemented with, with buildings to house the the lecturers, the laboratories, the museum. I imagine there's such a crazy museum that Bit Pendrick has created of <laughs> creatures, plus other research yeah. collected God knows what. Um, and plus yeah, that makes total sense. You know, with it being with it being the, um, the the site of the signing of the Corvus treaties, that in addition to the natural history that we're getting from like Pendrake and and others that there's that there probably at least is like some repository if if not if not like an actual museum for for um artifacts related to that yeah there must also be like such a really that that there surely must be a very strange relationship between the university and the cathedral of morrow that is also Mm -hmm. in the same region of the city because there are going to be books and items of history relating undoubtedly with the Orgoth in the university which members of the Order of Illumination who surely have headquarters within the the, the cathedral um, must feel like those should be either kept under lock and key in some sort of like chained library like you get in Hereford Cathedral where that was like the nearest cathedral to me when I lived uh, where I grew up. Just like mm-hmm. books all chained together so you can't just like, you know, disappear off of it. <laughs> but you can imagine that kind of like that that strained relationship of it belongs in a museum, but it's like, yeah, but if someone read that, it could open up, you know, all manner of horrors. Yeah, I mean, so, so that, I mean, I think that that's one of the interesting and complex things about about Corvus is that, is that you know there is you know all all the history and artifacts you know the the um kingdom of signar is uh is primarily moralan and um had had become more like a higher percentage moralan you know like after the events of the like the early events of the war machine uh books you know with uh the strikers purge and such um that uh, um, that it has to be be an in, like interesting as far as tension between uh, the Morrowinds and the um, and those who you know who come there like one like seeking like that sort of that sort of like forbidden knowledge and and you know also the the kind of the uh, like the sinister the slight or the perceived to be sinister swampy folks who who you know like kind of like bear the um bear the stigma of that of the legacy of the of the kingdom of mord that came that came before them and mm-hmm. um and and also just um yeah probably uh, a lot of um uh, a lot of thamorites uh, come here seeking out like you know that that knowledge or you know artifacts that 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 they can that they can utilize so 
Yeah, so you've got Corvus University. Sorry, I, I've got my numbers this up. It's in so so there's and the map because it's not used. Not that, this is the older map. I think I should be looking at the one that's out. There's a really good. This is a good point actually. Say in the is it the GM's toolkit, the new edition. There's a really excellent map of Corvus. There um, is, yeah. So we've got the university. That's actually near the park. The park is in the same segment as well most of the rich people live which is near the city hall there's lots of bridges there so that's that's very i can just imagine like it being a flight of venice like lots of you know interconnecting bridges bridges going through buildings uh you can imagine to get around a lot easier there's surely got to be lots of kind of like um uh like gondoliers essentially or ferrymen kind of yeah. operating and also to to get across the river to the other side. And the river is going to be, is monumentally wide. I guess we're talking about like the width of like the Danube kind of job going on here where you can barely see the other side. So really to get yeah, to I think the US side people the river, might, might, uh, might utilize the Mississippi river as yeah. like a, as like a point there, like for, for people listening on this side of the pond. So you definitely need like a steam barge or steam powered uh, uh, vessel to happily get you across the river to, uh rather than having to do the uh, i sure is arduous and heavily taxed thing of going from bridge to bridge across the main bridges between between quarters because of course those bridges are going to have so much traffic someone surely is taxing taxing that and and asking for a fee um we've also so we've said that it's the Morrowan cathedral and that's obviously a very important site for uh, part of the Witchfire trilogy because uh, mm -hmm. there's a tomb there where uh, Alexia's mother was interred with the, with the Witchfire blade, and and uh, is that's where it's recovered from. And her uncle, uh, the prelate uh, Father Damas, is there. And I, as I said, I can imagine there's like quarters for like monks and and or 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 nunnery or equivalent and then there's also going to be um quarters and and resources for the order of illumination or mm -hmm. other kind of militant religious orders so that's a very good kind of and what the reason for these details is because these are like places where for your adventuring companies, these are places to kind of anchor your group to go, if they're operating out of Corvus, where would they potentially go in their initial formation to get a lot of stuff for free for doing certain day-to-day -day tasks? Like you can imagine, you know, operate or a group of witch hunters would operate out of the Morrowind Cathedral uh, or have to obviously go there to research about a particular dangerous entity that has once more reared its ugly head. Um, but if you're a caravaner or, because um, we were talking about Borderlands Beyond, if you're a caravaner and that's another kind of adventuring company or, or similar, um, you would mostly be operating out of the other quarter of the city, which is where all the, the, all the a lot of the merchant borgs are, are mm -hmm. located. So essentially, Parts of the city kind of do congregate certain industries together by, by I think I guess nature of like it's easier for like as goods are brought into the city that they offload to all the traders in the one place. And that's where you get them from. 
it's also mostly easier for like the the merchant guilds to kind of manage those if they're all in the same group of buildings that they rent out for a nice healthy profit and then there's a big quad which is near one of the gates out of the city where it's a huge kind of is literally a huge open air market um and that kind of i think that gives a good flavor of it obviously there's the the banks of the river have many um docks and warehouses and as we said there's going to be so these areas are not you know you're going to have industry scattered through the city anyway but certain areas congregate like there's also an industrial borg and again that's likely because it's easy to offload all the coal in one area or or whatever other minerals are brought in and so that area would be god the buildings would be pitch black like it doesn't you would never you know they they could be pristine marble years ago or or become black within a a matter of of uh of days or weeks um so yeah i think that gives kind of a sense of the structure of the built of the of the city there's other features like there is a menite temple but this would not be kind of like again this is like the menite of kind of like the old menite faith rather than the the uh the the, yeah um and obviously there's a order of the fraternal order of wizardry lodge there's also a guild too for engineers and then of course on top of all of this there is crime crime galore uh in this city obviously um and then there's the Undercity. Um, are there any other bits you want to point out there as we kind of, I guess, wrap up this kind of like quick overview of the structure of the, the city and what it's like? I mean, um, well, I, I guess, I guess, uh, as far as the top side, uh, not, not really. I mean, it, it does, it, I mean, I guess it does, um, with the bridges and, uh, with, with the separation, I mean, it does, uh, offer like, you know, interesting, options as far as like um you know localization and like the like the the fact that just getting to other places like in the same city can sometimes be like a little bit more complicated since you have these choke points so that if you're if you're at the if you're at the university like uh and something a citywide problem is is happening and you need to get to city hall like what that what that means it's like you can look on the map you can see it's just like a few hundred yards away presumably but but the thing is that that um uh, you're going to have to cross at least one bridge or go across the water there's it offers interesting considerations for like a, a uh, like a role-playing scenario yeah you can you can use that i, I guess what you get is like you can turn what would be what looks like on the surface a trivial trip into you can make that quite a lot of narrative to go well they're passing through this market what could happen in the market as a random encounter or if they're going across one of the major bridges or even a smaller one is that a place where certain gangs operate maybe and you know if you essentially if you want to bulk out your adventure for your, your story for your for your players you can drop in these what i i don't want to say i think you could say 
I hate using the word random encounter in the classic D&D yeah. sense. It makes it seem like you've just thrown it in <laughs> to to act as a as a as a bump in the road to because you think your players are doing too well or yeah. just, or or to help them grind up the XP levels. I think the reason for these encounters by using the the nature of the city is to enhance the feeling that that city itself has character and it's yeah. not just you're not just going between way markers to do do the basics i think you can you can build up build upon that a lot um yeah i mean i th- i think that i think that when you when you say things like urban fantasy it, it conjures up a uh like it has a connotation that is very different but the but having the city like have its own character and like being a character and like or and or even like it's like different regions like being kind of their own characters with their own um with their own needs and their own um uh ways of going about things and that i think that that opens up like opportunities for like 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 a deeper role playing and, and it's, yeah. i find that a good way of like you can then seed plots for subsequent stories because you go oh they went you know in their little journey through the city to get to say if they were going from the cathedral to the university for whatever reason and passing past going past a certain merchant or witnessing a certain gang of of miscreants and then those are reoccurring characters or then characters that are the feature of the net of a of a subsequent story then makes it feel more alive um Mm -hmm. i think this fits into the fact that again i think this fits in the fact that the way you the way you use corvus is not and the way you play iron kingdoms is yeah you're not is necessarily not in the way you would normally approach traditional fantasy rpgs and 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 dungeon crawling because you're going between scenes and and trying to create this feeling of an organic setting and you're not just going i've done this room i've killed the monsters i'm going to have a quick rest to replenish my spells and carry on to the next thing it's like no you you know you guys have a deadline to get from this place to this place because you're investigating something and it reinforces the danger of of getting caught up in subplots and and uh, or maybe you made the wrong decision, the bad decision. Because again, did you should you have maybe paid a little bit more to get on the on the on the steam powered barge to get across the river, or did you decide you're cheap and you're going to walk it? Like that cost of choice, which I think some players are. Players are hesitant to make choices. They're always out for a zero-sum game where they get to do something and it doesn't have a have a cost. Um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot there to explore, and I think you could explore even just like a single segment of the city. That could be almost a feature, like the that could just be all you ever look at for quite a few stories, depending upon the um, the adventuring company that you play as um i think that really yeah. then brings us into kind of what what do you play as and we haven't even talked about the fact there is an undercity there is an un, there, are, there are these ruins there are literally streets under the city there's old caverns carved out by the 
the the refugees, as it were, during the Orgoth occupation. And so mm -hmm. there there is an undercity, and there is a, an economy. There is a culture that lives there. There are gator men, gator people. We'll say sorry, gator people that exist down there, um, amongst other things. And obviously, you know, there are ghosts and old graveyards and graveyards that are well since forgotten and osseries i'm sure there are plenty of osseries in <laughs> in that way it's a bit like paris with the catacombs um yeah. that's another good touch point um that would actually be a really good reference point i i i've just thought of uh, as a computer game is um is assassin's creed uh is that assassin's creed brotherhood is set in paris that's that would be a good kind of point um so yeah, what kind of other adventuring companies kind of immediately pop out? You go, okay, I'm running. I'm using Corvus as the, like the the nexus point of the kind of stories I want to tell. What adventuring companies do you think would then fit into kind of your vision of a of a campaign? Yeah, well, the the last one I I, I ran, um, it was um, the adventuring company that they chose was uh, Intrepid Adventurers, and um, they chose to have like a like a patronage relationship with Corvus University. And um, so that was, so you doing that, like took them to places in and out of the city. And that um, it, I think that that offered, that that offered like fair, like a fair amount of, um, of, of options for, for that. And, um, and I think that, that for mercenaries, it's a, uh, it's if if you have a mercenary charter, it's also really good because it really is like in the center of everything. And um, so if if you if um, if you're a, a group of mercs looking for a contract, um, because it's such a cosmopolitan area and it's and it's connected to so much that and that you're you can either march or hop on a ship and be be to be. Uh, close to most places they'd want to go yeah i can um, imagine that that um people from as far as like somewhere in the badlands or in some like you know very kind of schlocky kind of western kind of settlement <laughs> someone's been sent to go we need we need to hire some badasses to kind of take out the the bandits that are plaguing us go go to corvus because you'll definitely find uh, a well-trained militia of some sort, you know, mercenary warband. Yeah. Equally, I can imagine that, and I've run, I've run this as, I can imagine around Corvus, there's all, around Corvus, there's definitely, and they're not marked on the map. There are certainly going to be many little townships and and, and villages mm -hmm. and hamlets, and that are going to be connected with, with and they're going to be trading there. But you can imagine that again, one of these these villages is going to be or townships is going to be perhaps attacked but being attacked by by bandits or um along the road there's there's going to be highwaymen or or there's been a spate of weird kind of murders going on in that small village and you are the the kind of investigators uh that you know because the watch and the judiciary uh, services in, in Corvus, they don't. There's not enough of them, so they have to rely on these 
these freelance investigators. So you can also play that. Yeah. I really like, and I've run that when I did the stream game. I really like that kind of like pseudo kind of Victorian kind of Sherlock Holmes type group, but in amongst them is kind of like the bruiser kind of Trollkin and <laughs> the uh, the the um, arcane mechanic who is always a useful person who comes out with strange contractions to allow them to investigate a dead body. Um, so that's kind of what I, I imagine because also the people in Corvus, again, we're in that, that I feel very kind of Napoleonic inter-Victorian period look with Corvus with the people. So there's a bit of Renaissance flair to it, but as it goes into a more modern era where, you know, they're wearing bowler hats and, they will definitely be wearing some sort of waterproof jacket in, in, in Corvus. Um, yeah. That's, so that's definitely what I would go with. Uh, and I mean, the other thing is um, you could easily have is, I mean, we, we said about it, it's like the, the anything to do with like merchants, again, they're there and they have to, tra they, they have to travel back and forth the, down the river to get whatever resources that's that back and forth up and down a river may seem routine but <laughs> it's a huge river and anything can and will happen along it um uh any other 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 things ideas that, that jump out that you would you would go that's something that about Corvus that just makes me go ah that's a brilliant kind of like story concept or or, or great for players well um because because it has like the the, the signarin garrison there I mean, uh, if if you have like military affiliated characters, it's also like a kind of a a good a good staging point, and um, because it it's and with it being on the on the you know the edge of of the frontier, you know mm. if um, yeah military campaigns don't often lend to like the individual action, but given given its position i mean it it, it uh uh i guess the signaron military would call them um ues the unorthodox engagement uh teams uh it's it's a good place for for those to be to be based and um if they're if they're affiliated with signar or if um i guess you also have the the espionage angle if you if you mm. are associated with like with like a different nation like um like Cador or a uh like Lely's refugees and and uh I think that that's that's worth noting oh, yeah. in particular because uh there was I read in the character or the the IK world guide that at the at that time which it's set in like 604 I believe uh there was like considered to be around 100,000 Lely's refugees like in the area largely in the city um and it just being bursting at the seams with those folks and you have to assume that with uh if there's these Lely's refugees like fleeing this like this like war with Kador in the north there's there's probably Kador and spies like looking for for folks there which oh, gives, yeah uh, which gives a lot of uh a lot of options and yeah so i mean that's a that's a really good point because with the history it goes to you different time periods to kind of set your your story so you could be looking at that the invasion of lael and the you would have laelis nobility or 
mercenary, you know, that what, what makes what would have made up their army, those kind of high profile figures, mm-hmm. and they would have to look for employment to maintain some sort of lifestyle uh, in, mm-hmm. in the city. Uh, so, the, yeah, and then likewise, if you want to go down that route, playing Kadoran spies would be really, really interesting. Wow, that'd be that'd be a heck of a, uh, a story to play. But then, as you go forward in time, because that's like six or four, and what's the current time in six seventeen? Is uh, yeah, I believe wow. the so uh, yeah. So you've got like the you've got kind of the. Uh, quite changed because obviously there's going to be less Leilis there because they've been able to return to their homelands. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be remnants, but you've now got maybe the remnants near you know who are trying to exist within the city of um, Ios and El, uh, the Ios and, Ios and Elves, and their uh, their mercenary warbands that are trying to find some sort of existence since. Um, since those events uh, that happened to their kingdom, that's something we can look at at a future day. Uh, yeah, I would also think that you know, with the the, the claiming, I mean, um, with so many people like you know fleeing um, to Hingehold and elsewhere, that there's probably going to be like so many displaced people that um, that have either um, <clears throat> you know stayed where they where they ended up because you know it's 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 convenient or whatnot or that have like you know formed different relationships with with others who are like fellow like refugees and uh um so i think that that's uh i think that that's interesting and like as as far as like these like uh like townships all around you know that probably some of these uh are are completely um just ghost towns yeah I mean, I mean, if uh, with with infernals like coming into Corvus, and my understanding was that a gate was open in the Undercity, mm. um, that you, there are probably like just big big swaths of like places where there was just no assistance, and and you know that that entire groups of people were claimed, and then that you know that. Um, left like say real estate so now you have like one of these one of these little hamlets that that um like say a group of Lely's refugees like like just said you know there's this infrastructure here we can we can take advantage of that mm. i mean i yeah so i so i think that that that's uh with the with the entirety of the of the, of the setting having experienced this that you might it might be like a little bit more mixing pot, and that probably contributed to that, like five years of relative peace between between the claiming and the current the current uh, iteration of the setting. Mm. Uh, and another thing that I just realized when you were talking about the um, the, the to do with the military and the um, espionage angle is mm-hmm. that at certain points, if I remember rightly, that um, Sebastian Nemo centered a lot of his research at Corvus, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Um, so, I think that I think that the colossal research like took place like near, like in a facility like nearby, yeah. not necessarily like in Corvus, but but like with Corvus being it's it's, it's like closest. Yeah, center. it's is it uh, Port Bourne? Is it is that the one? 
uh, Port Bourne, yeah, is 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 the city that's on that's like on the right, uh, on the north shore of the of the river there that was yeah. that was um, invaded by Crixians. Yeah, but I can yeah. imagine like that's a, that's another angle of of for military games and what well, espionage games, mm -hmm. of course, to deal with um, technology being stolen from from the university or from particular. Uh, manufacturers who are affiliated with the with the um, with the military. So you've got that yeah. whole angle, which is a great way of of mixing military and spy type character concepts with more arcane arcane mechanics. Or or, or, or I hate using the word wizards in in Iron Kingdoms because I don't yeah. feel like wizard just doesn't make sense. They're arcanists yeah. because. Because that's the that's the other thing is like we to reinforce that I think Corvus is the place where you're going to see very definitely how magic is channeled into Mechanica to make everyday more more everyday contraptions rather than the thing of like in D and D where wizards just do kind of trivial cantrips all the time of like you know clicking yeah. their fingers and a and a candle ignites. You don't need to ignite a candle when you've literally got arcane capacitors where you just mix some candles <laughs> together, shake it, plug it in, and and the the light source is there, it's turned on. Um, yeah. You know, that's, the, that's the point. So there's going to be some really interesting, because I can't remember, like, I know there's meant to be a train that goes past, a train line that goes near Corvus, so I don't quite know where the train station would be. But there must be one near near Corvus. I don't think it's in Corvus. Well, I think that I think that yeah, uh, there's not one in Corvus because they they made it clear that the ground is so swampy it could yeah, right. it. Yeah, and uh, though uh, though I think it's possible that they that they went back on that or added some sort of assisting technology that it would make sense if there were say a train going between there and Bain's Market. Yeah, um, you know, which which uh, an important industrial center. It's it's not directly on the uh, the river or lake. And uh, uh, I just thought the other other really interesting kind of industry and and kind of like for playing merchants and so forth is that with the with the um, creation of of uh, the first initial kind of like airships in. In, oh, yeah. in the setting, there's surely got to be some some merchant guilds that are planning or building very large towers in Corvus to allow the docking of airships, kind of the way that airships were meant to dock or did dock, and uh, with like the Empire State Building. Yeah, that'd be really great. Great scene for a final like fight is up on a huge tower. The wind whipping around you, the the rain lashing down, and your steam jack, you know, <laughs> pounding uh, the enemy as they're trying to make off with whatever uh, whatever dangerous piece of technology on their on their dirigible. That would be that'd be really that'd be really wicked. Uh, that that would be that would be great. I I I really like the idea of that. You know, with the with the um airships and you know they're um i would imagine since since um like more like 
hot air balloons were like were like used and known. I mean, that's what that's what Venter Railthorn escaped yeah. Blackshore Island in. You know, uh, uh, um, that probably you know like those are probably starting to show up because we have the higher tech ones used by the military with you know the like the levitation technology mm-hmm. one of which crashed just north of corvus like in the in the um acts of war novels you know set in like 611 612 mm-hmm. and uh so so yeah that seem that certainly seems like like uh a fun thing to bring in there is is more um dirigibles that that are um are um kind of more passenger transport yeah yeah Um, yeah. then i think the other thing to say is that also there's uh you know for adversaries i think it's to kind of to kind of like help people kind of a jumping point for for stories as well because i think i think it's quite clear there is scope for quite a few different adventuring companies there's scope to include characters of different heritages like playing a troll king playing eyes and elf playing uh, a character from any of the iron kingdoms is more than easy enough to do or if you want to go the other way and play characters who are obviously aligned with cricks you know they are going to be spies and and nefarious groups going into corvus to steal you know various kind of books of magic or technologies that can then be converted into their necrotech uh manifestations or with the recent death you know getting um mining uh the uh the ore the necrotype but there are other horrible factions that also kind of do do haunt the undercity and the city around because Mm -hmm. obviously there's there's also um another under the underdark kind of dwelling group is the satellites that they will be yes. there um and obviously they're, they're a feature of um undercity the board game and so they're i mean why would what would they be doing this i mean they're literally wanting to again steal technology steal people to convert into their thralls and essentially i guess take over the minds of of the leadership of the city to turn it into their own thing yeah yeah i mean i i think that yeah the the undercity like makes it makes it possible for those for for those factions that are not um going to be capable of walking the streets to be able to to have a role in there and uh to be established so yeah i mean I, i can certainly see you know um Crixians even like blighted or or undead folks, you know, being able to get smuggled into the into the city, you know, and uh, be able to like eke out like um, or establish some sort of something in in the undercity and and do that. And the Cephalix, yeah, the Cephalix are are fun and interesting. I I've, I've certainly um, had a a couple Cephalix encounters in the in the in the undercity for my players that uh that yeah like what are their what ends are they working towards and and uh and like how are yeah how are the players going to confront that and or like rally others against it if it's if it's like an overwhelming force of them them and their drudges and uh so i yeah i think that's yeah i think i think that the that the 
that the Undercity like certainly uh, opens up some possibilities there for for factions that uh, that otherwise don't don't seem like they would have a place there. Uh, yeah, and I, again, like the Undercity then is a is a great um, focal point if you want to play uh, more nefarious groups as well. If you just want to play a adventuring company who are thieves and they're trying to build their their reputation and uh, and and I guess then you're getting into I mean let's like referencing some other games that gives you kind of the option of like that kind of blades in the dark kind of uh, play play experience with in Iron Kingdoms by playing thieves who are you know going into again various merchants and stealing items of importance or maybe assassinating someone or uh, or or again, recovering particular items that are lost, or, or just simple rivalries with other criminal organisations. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's another great kind of option. Um, but yeah, I think I think what's clear is that Corvus. I think any any city setting in the Iron Kingdoms allows you to kind of explore these. But I think Corvus is is in such a position that allows you to explore almost every adventuring company there is from yeah. a, and every every people that could make up these these companies and so allows you to really make use of almost every book within the iron kingdom's range at this point mm-hmm. for sure i mean it really it really is uh it really is a great a great starting point that if you if you're going to run an Iron Kingdoms campaign, and if if you if you don't know what the focus is, it's a it's a great place because because it enables so many different uh, so many different like options, types of characters, types of play. And if you and if you if you do know uh, like if you have a have an idea, then you probably have like a representation of that of that already present in in like the various in like the the books the source books even the novels the black river irregulars mm-hmm. novels like have some some great uh um some some great background on corvus because they're primarily uh uh, uh located there so I mean, that's a good point to touch on as well because obviously one of the the signature characters of the black river regulars is obviously uh as is an infernalist as well so again that's another um that would be another antagonist that would still be lurking in the bowels of the of the um of the city uh and that that, that's a and that uh, that opens up other angles because of course they're they're they would more than likely be infernalists and cultists that are aligned with the i can never remember the name of the faction of demons but they're no order yeah and of course, for them to go into court, that's such a, a, a flashpoint because the reasons for them to go into Corvus would be again locating artifacts and um, uh, items which would would be of importance, but importance also to their their rival order of of demons because they're the the other oh, order. Gosh. Yeah, the color are obviously the the orchestrators behind the Orgoth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the the uh, the legend of the Witchfire uh, 
uh, adventure that that came with Requ that was released along with Requiem, the um, uh, the main antagonist was actually aligned with those, and um, it was I mean it was primarily uh, the the action primarily had to do with like with 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 like Omodamos being um, being sucked up into the Witchfire, but it was um, it was a member of the, of the of the Felgoth Order who was kind of like pushing some pushing some buttons there and trying to uh, to get a leg up on the Nanocreon Order. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, I think I think we've covered a lot there uh, in this hour and a bit, um, and yeah, there's there's lots there. There's I think good starting points for people to jump into. Uh, obviously, um, the Witchfire Trilogy, you can still get hold of, download, have a look at that. Um, mm -hmm. Given the, re the recent edition of all of the Requiem, Iron King's Requiem material, it would be trivial to retrofit, uh, to update Witchfire Trilogy to the current rule system. That would be yeah. dead easy to do. Everything, pretty, I think almost every monster or antagonist is represented. Um, you may just have to do a bit of work on some of the on some of the NPCs, but you know who cares? Oh, that's easy enough to do, I think. Um, similarly, um, the GM's toolkit, as we said, has a bit more on Iron Kingdoms. Has a whole history timeline in there, and I think mm -hmm. a little bit about society with like the uh, calendar system. It does. It has like the 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 the, the various calendar stuff and. Um, the, the the holidays, yeah. which is which is also fun and um, um, yeah, it talks about talks about the gangs there as well. Yes, and the, the gangs of Corvus. So so that's all good. Uh, and then obviously, if you really want to take what we've chatted about and in those books, and you could then essentially take and flesh out even further. Is uh, is the Legend of the Witchfire, which was the um, adventure book that came out with the initial Kickstarter. So essentially, you can take what's there, and you can expand or do even more of a prelude to by uh, exploring a bit more of Corvus, or or doing the follow up to by tapping into these ideas that we've been chatting about. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. Um, so I think we'll leave it there. So again, thank you, Randy, for, for you taking time out to chat to me about this. Um, if people do, if you're happy, I mean, have you got stuff on social media that people should follow or? Oh, certainly. Um, yeah. So if you want to find, to find me on, on social media, um, my, uh, you'll find me as Coffee Swiller. So C-O-F-F-E-S-W-I-L-L-E-R. And that's you'll find me on you know Twitter, Instagram, and um, um, in the Iron Kingdoms Requiem Discord uh, as as that. And certainly just uh, reach out and say hello. And um, um, I'm always glad to to talk about the Iron Kingdoms. And uh, it was it was really it was really nice to be to to be invited. I really appreciate uh, the the opportunity. Oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get you back on to chat about another thing that mostly something that yeah we'll figure out what really excites you in the RPG currently. That's <laughs> stuff that's being produced and or locations or ideas. We'll go through that. 
if people want to get in contact with us, uh, you can obviously find everything on www.darker-days.org. You can email us, darkdaysradio at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at darkdaysradio, where obviously you can find images of things painted. Uh, I will try and get more Iron Kingdom stuff done when I get around to buying some more and not doing other related other war games. Um, and obviously, uh, on related notes, um, and everything from the Nightmare Empire Kickstarter, I think, is now available to should be available to buy in stores. I know backers have got their books, so. I've seen it. I've seen it available like on on online online stores, and I would imagine that shops have it as well. Uh, so that's everything for Nightmare Empire. So that's crypts and character types and concepts there, along with a book of scenarios, and along with a further book, which is stuff to do with the Shard Islands and sea battles and and encounters like that plus favorite other rules i think to do with disease isn't it there's a lot of disease um, yeah 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 uh, battles and and and, very, and various things so yeah <laughs> uh so that's there obviously uh upcoming stuff that will be coming out on uh, that we're awaiting from kickstarter something to do with the most recent one which is the deep wild uh so i think backers are getting pdf soon the uh, the initial PDFs um, are are out for that right now, or like the preview PDFs. Yeah, that's so, so. So they're they're still they're still going through through a little bit of uh, a little bit of revision and a little bit yeah. of uh, feedback from from uh, from backers, and uh, I'd imagine that uh, it should be pretty soon that that we see another version of those. Yeah, uh, and then uh, obviously for anything else, go to to Prototype Press's uh, website to find out any more updates on the war game stuff because there are previews of upcoming factions for the war game and miniatures, which of course is all important if you go down the route of wanting to have some cool miniatures to all these in the RPG. Uh, right, so I thank Randy again for taking time to be on this episode, and I will speak again on this on Dark Iron when we have another episode delving into another part of the Iron Kingdom. So thank you for listening and goodbye.